it's actually a funny story. He called me and I was, he was like, oh, this is Tony Parker. I'm here to congratulate you. And I was like, I don't know who it is, but stop pranking me. Because I know <laughs> I've never met the guy. He's already NBA, NBA, he's an NBA champ. Like, what are you talking about? How, how do you get my phone number? So I actually hang up on him. Like, leave me alone. Playing. <laughs> leave me alone. Like, I don't know who it is, but leave me alone. He called me back and I was like, okay, if you really Tony Parker, like, send me a proof that you him. And I still have those bad phones at the time. And he sent me like a picture, but I can't even read the picture. So he, he called, so I go to practice that same day. And the director of the school was like, hey, Tony Parker said he was going to call you. Did he call you because he was going? And I was like, oh my God, I just hang up on Tony Parker. I can't believe it. Another season in the books. The podcast featuring European professional athletes who pursue their university degrees at home or in the United States. We'll talk about the ups and the downs, the pros and the cons. We'll hear from each athlete as they talk about their journey through academics and athletics. I'll also be talking to coaches and getting their opinion on the subject as well. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 11-year veteran in Spain's professional basketball leagues, Liga Femenina 2 and La Liga Endesa. Let's get to it! This interview is a little different from all the rest. Edwin had college scholarship offers, but decided to stay in Europe and pursue a professional career. You'll find out, however, that Edwin has other interests besides basketball and has started taking classes in a field that's not directly related to sports. Or perhaps it is. We'll just have to wait and see. Anyway, first things first. Happy New Year! I hope your 2021 is off to a better start than mine. Uh, I don't usually talk too much about myself on this podcast, but I do play professional basketball here in Madrid, and so far we are gameless in 2021. Our first weekend game was canceled due to a positive COVID-19 case, and just this past Saturday our game was canceled because 20 inches of snow decided to fall on Madrid, a city where the majority of people do not own shovels, snowblowers, and basically nobody owns a plow. That mixed in with the assault on the Capitol building in Washington, plus the increase in COVID-19 cases, has made for a very unusual start to 2021. Looking on the bright side of things, however, today it's my absolute pleasure to bring you the conversation I had with professional basketball player and one of France's all-time greats, Edwin Jackson. Charismatic, genuine, and full of stories, Jackson talks about his childhood growing up in France, his first phone conversation with the legendary Tony Parker, his mom, the English teacher and his greatest fan, his dad, the professional athlete, his time spent playing in Barcelona and China, and to wrap it up, his pets. Yes, Edwin loves animals, and he shares his home with a variety of furry and not-so-furry friends. All right, buenos dias or buenas tardes, Edwin Jackson. Welcome to the podcast on this sunny and cloudy 31st of December. How are you? Good. Uh, great way to end the year with the podcast, you know. 
uh, on this final day of 2020. So, nah, nah, uh, I'm good. Um, trying to rehab my wrist right now. Um, the process is, is going well. So, I'm excited. Probably uh, in January, I'm going to be back with the team and, and playing. So, you know, start the year on a good note, at least. Good deal. And you're right. What better way to end 2020 than a podcast conversation with you and I? This is just perfect. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Um, first question, tell me about your first sports memory as a child. It doesn't have to be basketball, but the first thing that you remember about sports when you were a little kid. I mean, for me, my dad was a professional basketball player. So my first memory always been basketball since, um, I was able to remember it was going to the gym with my dad. It was going to his games. It was like, it's always been part of my life and it's the, really the only sport I really played or follow I mean in France you grow up and you play soccer doing doing recess because that's the most uh that's the dominant sport that's the most popular sport and growing up it was also like that time where the French national team in 98 they they won the world cup so it was like so big in France but in in general I just you know all my life been about basketball it was my first love always okay my next question I was going to ask you if you grew up in a sports oriented family and obviously your dad played college basketball he then played professionally overseas so the answer is yes did your mom play any sports no nah, but she was bit, I mean she did g gymnastics when she was uh uh younger and she always been like uh you know working out and and taking care of her but not you know playing she didn't like the the competitive aspect of you know playing sports my mm -hmm. dad is all about that but my mom not so much you know she she wouldn't like to compete she liked to take care of her body and be in shape but she wouldn't want to you know compete and you know find out who's the best which, okay would she come which, to your games yeah absolutely she's my okay. she's my number one fan she will always come to the game she will come um, she would take me to practice and back. She will even have, she was a teacher. I mean, she still is. And she will even grade her papers while I was in practice. Like she would take me to practice and grade her papers. So now nah, she's been the most supportive, you know, ever. And you said she used to be a gymnast. So I'm assuming that's genetically where you get your flexibility. I mean, <laughs> or is my, this something you actually, 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 not because she never like you know did gymnasts at like a high level but actually my dad used to be able to do like a full split and he's like six six ten wow. and so and so he used to stretch at home so much so me and my sisters my dad is like was my role model everywhere I went my everybody was like man your dad is such an amazing man this and this so I always follow his footstep as far as, you know, wanted to do exactly what he was doing, uh, stretching, eating the same thing. Like I wanted to do everything that my dad was doing. Like mm -hmm. it was, so now nah, I get my flexibility from that. And I stretch a lot still to this day. So yeah, it just makes me feel good, you know? <laughs> that's always really impressive to me when I see, especially a man, I know that's a stereotype, but I think of men, big, strong athletes, and I don't think of flexibility. So the fact that your dad, who's six foot 10, probably power forward, big guy, could do the split, yeah. um, really impressive. I mean, 
like anything, it just re really requires practice. And I mean, if you stretch every day, you you just get more and more flexible. <laughs> I guess. I mean, okay. I do it all the time. I do it all the time, and I'm like, I'm trying to get back to. Actually, I used to be able to do the split, and I want to get back to that because I kind of like the last couple of years. I've been. It's the first time in my career where I had like problems. It was like unfortunate, but like I slipped during a game because the floor was wet. And last year and I almost blew my knee and things like that. So I was really like, man, I need to take care of my body and I'm aging. So I want to age well, you know, being mm -hmm. able to like in the second part of my career, being able to still be productive and feel good when I'm hitting the court. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so you, I'm assuming you started playing basketball when you were really young. Um, when would you say you started taking it more seriously? I always did. Like, I always, <laughs> like, it was never a point in my career. I used to go to school when I was six years old. You know, you have those teachers, uh, they will have a, a, a paper saying, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I, we always put professional basketball player. Hmm. And Mind you, sports in Europe is not like in the U.S. It's not like the, it's not considered as a job. It's not considered, like it's viewed in a different way, especially like now is more professionalized. But at the time when my dad was playing, it was like really like guys were making good money, but people wouldn't view them as, you know, people that had jobs, you know. So my teacher will always tell me, but that's not a job, you know? And mm -hmm. it's like, and, but now since I've been little, since I can think of, I always wanted to be like my dad. So I want, always wanted to be a professional basketball player and I didn't have no backup plans. <laughs> my, my mom was talking to me about school and everything. I was like, listen, mom, I will play <laughs> basketball. This is what I'm going to do. Um, so, and you were born in a city called, is it Pau? Po, yeah. Po? Okay. Uh, so you're, I mean, you can say, yeah. Pau, well, I don't, yeah. my French pronunciation is horrible. I have no idea how to pronounce uh, French names. It's, so Po is actually really po. close to Spain. Yeah, actually it is. Maybe that's where I get my love from, from Spain. I don't know. But um, yeah, when my dad was playing, that was like a really... Uh, like iconic club. It was them and Limoges who won the EuroLeague like 25 years ago. And at the time they were like powerhouse in, in, in France. So I grew up here and then I, I moved all across the country just where my dad was playing in Lyon and Paris and Besançon okay. and different cities. I grew up like everywhere. Okay, so you're... You're French. I mean, French is your first language. And then I'm assuming that your dad spoke to you in English and you developed. Yeah, but also my mom is an English teacher. So at home, ah. we spoke a lot of English, you know. Okay. So, and then my sisters are actually living in the States right now in Orlando. So it's like always been, I don't feel like, of course, when I speak with Americans, like they can tell that I'm, that I have an accent or something, but like, I feel as American as I feel French, for example, you know, I don't, I enjoy spending time with, um, you know, my sisters when I'm in the States, I have a lot of American friends as much as French friends. So I don't, you know, just like my, 
black and white side. Like I don't, it's like 50-50. Like it's mm -hmm. not, I don't feel more, actually I feel more American than French actually, as far as my mentality is concerned, but. But you've never, have you ever lived like for a full year no, in the United States? I never did. Huh, interesting. And I wouldn't, and I wouldn't do it either, but. <laughs> really? But, you know, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would I would do it either because I mean things of like I feel like it's really the best of both worlds. Like for example, how I feel like in Europe is more of a as for a society like a helping hand and we help each other a lot and stuff like that. And then on the other side, it's like America is still like the land of opportunities. I really feel like when you give yourself like the chance and you work hard, there's no cap, there's no limit on what you can achieve. Here, it's like, you can do good, but not too good because your neighbor is going to be mad. So, you know, <laughs> like you have to tone it down and you can't, you know, like you can be successful, but don't show it too much because people are not going to like that. Okay. And so, you know, the best of both worlds would be perfect, you know? So, but now I found my, I feel like I found my home in Spain now. Uh-huh. Um, and you played on every single level as far as the national team goes for France, correct? Like yeah. from the under, I don't know, how, how young are you when it starts? Under? Under 15, well, okay. under 16. I play under 16, under, uh, under 18, under 20. And like my generation, we, arguably the best um the best like uh, national team youth national team that you know played we won the european championship under 16 we won under 18 and under 20 we finished second we went to the world cup and finished third uh would tony parker was, agree with you what would tony parker agree with you I mean, that he agrees with me or not. We had this conversation before because he's a good friend of mine. He only has one medal, so he can't, like, it's not, like, it's not even close. You can't, because I said the best generation out of our generation, even people that got cut from the team still made it as professional. From the 12th player that he had, yes, he's the best by far, but I feel like the whole generation, you can't, you can't say because of one player, it's a better generation. No, you had the creme de la creme. Absolutely. There's no denying that. You're the best ever French player to ever play the game. But as far as like our generation, it's like we have five NBA guys and the rest all play our year league level players or played in year league for many years. Mm -hmm. And them is not the case. So it's like, we had a bigger reservoir of players than them. Who was, who was your biggest competition growing up? Like out of the other countries in Europe, who, who was the like the big game? Or do you remember I mean, when, when you won gold? What was that? Under 18? Do you remember who you won it against? Under 18, we won it against Lithuania in finals. Okay. Uh, but we beat Greece. We beat, but honestly, we, used, we won everything by like 30. Hmm. It was like... We went undefeated for like four years in a row. We didn't lose a game. Then we even uh, won the Mannheim tournament, the tournament in Germany. The only team we lost to was the U.S. team 
at the world at the World Cup in Serbia. That's the like in like three years. That's the only team we lost to, and that team was like they had Steph Curry on the team, DeAndre Jordan, Michael Beasley. Uh, like they had a monster team, like Patrick Beverly, uh, David Lighty, who was playing in uh, in Ohio State at the time, who was like really good. And that's the only game we lost in in a while. But I mean, we had a really good team. Okay. Really. So all those years that you're playing on your national team, I'm assuming that there were college coaches from the U.S. coming to watch these games. Did anybody yeah. try to like bring you to their university? Oh yeah, I got. I had like five scholarships. I could have went to Wake Forest. I could have went to Ohio State. I could have been to, but it didn't. I did, I wanted to get paid. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you damn yeah. right. I can imagine. I to get paid. And I started playing like, so I went to a school called INSEP, right? And it's like, it's basically the same thing as college, but they do it at high school. I left my house when I was 14 and a half years old and I went to that, that school. Board in school, Leon? Where, now in Paris, where okay. like some of the best athletes are like, but not only basketball, like overall, we practice with, uh, like we were on campus with track and field athletes and stuff like that. It's only for athletes. And then when you go over there, they pay for your whole scholarship as a high school. But, but if you leave the country, you owe them 400000 So if I would have went to college, I would have to pay that back with no guarantee that I would ever made it pro. You know? 400,000 euros? Yeah. Yeah, you heard me. That's a lot. Oh my goodness. Yes. I know. Okay. And so what happened was at that school, my third year, we broke the record for most games. Uh one, we play in the third division in France. So we already play against grown men and we like 17, 16, 17 years old. And that year I broke the scoring record of TP. This is how we first met because he sent me a text. It's actually a funny story. He called me and I was, he was like, oh, it's Tony Parker. I'm here to congratulate you. And I was like, I don't know who it is, but stop pranking me because I know <laughs> I never met the guy. He's already NBA, NBA, he's the NBA champ. Like, what are you talking about? How, how do you get my phone number? So I actually hang up on him. Like, leave me stop alone. <laughs> leave me alone. Like, I don't know who it is, but leave me alone. He called me back and I was like, Okay, if you're really Tony Parker, like send me a proof that you him. And I still have those bad phones at the time. And he sent me like a picture, but I can't even read the picture. So he, he called. So I go to practice that same day. And the director of the school was like, Hey, Tony Parker said he was gonna call you. Did he call you? Because he was going and I was like, Oh my god, I just hang up on Tony Parker. I can't believe it. <laughs> And, That's awesome. And after a funny story, we, we became friends. But my hometown team, Asheville, at the time, they offered me a five-year guarantee contract. Yeah. And so I signed when, when I was in school. I didn't even have my high school degree yet. And I was like, done deal. <laughs> I am going back home. And your and mom, started. your mom, what was she thinking? She was, she, and she was right. She was like, oh boy, this is going to be something else. <laughs> And okay. listen. So Tony Parker contacts you, you break the scoring record. And then after that, I mean, you, you played in France, then I think then you signed in Barcelona, correct? Yeah. After my like 
because I didn't want to leave just to leave. Like a lot of people, I wanted to, like every time I left somewhere, I wanted to dominate the league and feel like, okay, I'm ready to take the next step. Not leave just like tell my agent during the course of the year, like, hey, I want to just go to Spain or go. I wanted people to want me before I left, you know? If not, I was like, so many guys just leave just to leave because they think the grass is greener, but they end up coming back to the exact same team or somewhere else in France because at the end of the day, people didn't really want you. You was on the market and they end up like, okay, let me sign that person, but you have to prove yourself. And I was in a great situation with a coach I loved. Uh, Tony, who was a friend, uh, bought the team that I was playing for. Mm. So it was like, I know in which direction this is going. I know the management. I already know the team. I had a great year last year. There's no reason for me to to leave a great situation. But Barcelona came knocking, and I was like, Tony, I'm sorry, but it's Barcelona. (laughs) (laughs) I have to go now. Would you say, when you compare the French League to the ACB, which league would you say is better? It's so different. So I think what really helped me here being a good scorer in, in, in Spain is that teams in France are so athletic. Like everybody's the same size. It's no big man. And they switch every pick and roll, every situation. Like it's a totally different, you know, uh, game. It's just like a bunch of athletes. And if you can't score one-on-one, it's going to be very hard for you to thrive in that, in that, in that. But the game in Spain is a lot more like, high-level thinking, the basketball IQ, the game speeds up a lot. But as far as, like, you know, being able to to score one-on-one, much easier in Spain than it is in France, for example. Mm-hmm. But to understand the game and, like, to actually play the game and win games, like, the game, the, the league here is so much better as far as, like, team being disciplined, having a game plan and all this, you know. Okay. I did not know that. Um, and when you went to Barcelona at that time, was Barcelona like one of the best teams in the world, would you say? Well, excluding the United States, but as far as like EuroLeague or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We went to the finals of the the championship. We lost like in semifinals. We was like two games away from doing the final four in EuroLeague. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. We, no, we, I went in the contest where I was like, I was starstruck even like, I was playing great and like the year before I had MVP in France, but taking that step and playing with arguably some of the best player ever to play the game in Europe. Like I had Juan Carlos Navarro on my team. I had um, Nabba on my team who played in uh, in the NBA for a long time. I had Marcelino Huertas uh, who plays now for Tenerife, who's older, but been in so many great teams who has so many titles, Ante Tomic, who's like five-time all EuroLeague first team, like as a big man. Mm-hmm. Like I came here and I was like, yo, I'm part of this team now. Like that means something. Mm-hmm. And now nah, it was it was really cool. It, it taught me a lot. And they changed the coach that year. And I ended up leaving because like, like the coach who came after, like I wasn't in his plan and they needed a Spanish player. But I find another team, another EuroLeague team in, in Malaga. Mm-hmm. It was a great experience, too. And, no, nah, it was it was like Spain always, like, fit my game 
a lot. That's why I love being here and I love the life in Spain. So yeah, the the quality of life is pretty great. The quality of life. You go where the beach is. Right now, where you're in Madrid, there's no beach. Absolutely. Uh, at least the sun, a little bit of sun. I need a little bit of sun. If right. not, it's tough for me. Um, okay, so then you went to Malaga. Then you were actually in Estudiantes in 2016. And then you went mm -hmm. to China. I want to know about China. How is that? Like culturally, um, traditions, customs. What did you think about your Horrible. experience there? Horrible. Horrible. I Why? hate every bit, of, every bit of it. Like, it's the most selfish society I've ever been part of. Like, people don't share nothing. I can, like, you got to think. It's like a show. I got paid a lot of money for a short period of time to go there. And, like, they didn't even care. We was first in the league when I left. And they didn't even care that we won games. All they could talk about is, like, listen, you got to average 40 points a game because this guy is scoring more than you on the other team. And I'm like, and so, like, it doesn't matter, but they view they, they view basketball completely different. Like, for example, on my team, we had, like, the biggest Chinese star, whose name is Yi Jilian, who played in the NBA for a little while and then came back there. When we would play on the road, the fans from the opposite team will cheer for us because we had him on our team. Hmm. And Beijing, when the Americans came and played China, nobody was for China. They would cheer for the United, like the U.S. team because they had so many stars. They don't understand nothing about the concept of basketball, how it should be played. And it was like so selfish. Like when we traveled, they would put me and like the other, like one of the foreigners and like two guys, two Chinese guys who was in the national team. We would fly in first class and they would put everybody else in coach. They would be like, yeah, because you just started the team. So, and I was like, nah, either we all in coach or we all in first class, but you can't separate like the team like that. It's a, it's a team sport. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going, and like none of my teammates spoke English except one, a guy that's uh, Andrew Nicholson. That was a great guy, but like he was there, him with his wife. So, I was by myself all the time with nobody's and nobody speaks English over there. Not even a little bit. Like people don't understand how it's a country that's like closed off completely. You can't get American television. You can't download anything. You don't have Apple. You don't have none of this. So if you don't bring like, I don't know, hundred movies on your hard drive and stuff like that, then you can't communicate with the outside world. You can't, I mean, you can have like VPN, but they were like, it's like a private connection to the internet, but they were illegal when I was there. And so I, I didn't really connect with anyone. I was by myself in my hotel room. Like most of the time you travel from city to city to city. And it was just like a, a life I didn't appreciate at all. So I was wow. like, and I signed back in Barcelona actually. <laughs> but I'm assuming you had, did you have your own translator, your own like chauffeur, somebody to take you around, somebody to translate for you? Yeah, but even though, even those people, it's like, they would be like, so like, the society over there is so com compartmentalized, like, there's a you higher don't mix. Yeah, like, guys on my team would tell me, like, the guy who played in the NBA, like, I don't talk to the young guys because they, like, they're not socially on my level. 
like they know they can't talk to me. You know, they get married with they social, you know what I'm saying? It's so like it's so far from what I believe in. So it's just like I didn't I didn't fit at all. And people are so weird who come up to me and touch my hair and touch my face and like it was just like a horrible experience. Like, <laughs> when you would be walking down the street? Yes, people will I will go to I I try like three or four times to go to the restaurants. People would literally like record me eating for like 30 minutes. Wow. Like it was the weirdest thing ever. Nah, it was just like <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I didn't understand like nothing that was going on over there. Like the style of basketball, was it literally just like give the ball to Edwin and do your one-on-one thing? And, and score? exactly. And, and when I, and I would, I would get double team and I would pass the ball. Like they would get mad at me. No, shoot the ball. Like, listen, this is not how I play. Like I don't play like this. I don't come to play. Yeah, yeah, you got to be like a mercenary. You got to go there, average your 40 points. You don't talk to nobody. You don't care if you won for... I mean, I played against Jimmer Fredette. He shot 51 times. Wow. 51 times. And he was like, he shot like 18 for 51. I was like, listen, I can't play like that. Like, I don't care if I don't... I can't talk to my teammates and communicate, but I can't play like that. Like, it's just... The behind the scenes, it's not as glamorous as it looks from the outside. Um, I mean, I mean to be honest, like looking back on it, I went for the money. I didn't. I knew it was gonna be bad before I went there. Like I don't, I don't fool. I don't fool myself and lie to myself saying like, oh no, I wanted to experience. No, the only reason I signed in China was because I was gonna receive a life, a life changing contract that's 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 all it was like i don't you know i don't look back on it like oh it's a missed opportunity or anything i just signed over there because it was nice okay but i just want to ask one thing don't you think that you would play even better if you were happy in your life outside of basketball like if you were absolutely you always do right so so while you were there do you feel like you were able to play to your potential or were you like, would you do it again just for the money? Like, I don't know. Hell yeah, I'll do it again for the money. <laughs> they call me tomorrow. I'll but you're like, suffering. It's like not a happy situation. I mean, I realize money can give you a lot of things, but man, it would be really hard to spend. I can still come to Europe six months later and, and enjoy uh, playing basketball again. And have my my bank account much <laughs> in a much better situation. It, it, it doesn't change much. Like it's okay. like. I mean, I like, guess I would. Yeah, I, for sure. You play. This is this is why I decided to come here. I could have made more money in Europe and many other places. Like this, that was not my biggest offer on the table, and I decided to come here and join a project for the next three years. Like absolutely, I agree with you. But at that time in my career, I was like, okay, it's time to get paid. Yeah. So I went and took the money. That's yeah. all it was. So. I mean, I, I would probably do the same thing for at least one year. I would suck it up and I would do it. But it's just, at the same time, it's just kind of sad, you know? Like. Yeah, but it's <laughs> mad. It's mad. Every time I'm in my house in Malaga, I promise you, I'm grateful I went to China. Yeah, it all, oh, yeah. It, it made, it was worth it. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so then you go back to Barcelona, then you go to Montenegro, I think. Yeah. 
back to France and now you're in Estudiantes again. I don't know if mm -hmm. I missed something, but more or less. No, 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 you didn't, you didn't. Um, so I don't know, growing up, did you have a favorite like NBA player or anything like that? Did you have somebody that you were modeling your game after? Not really. I was just like, everybody had something that I like. I love Penny Hardaway, uh, Kobe, uh, this guy, Mitt Richmond was playing in Sacramento at the time, who was an amazing scorer. Like Grant Hill was coming up. He was my favorite player. I thought I was going to be taller. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to play on the wing. I'm going to be like a legit 6'8", six, 6'9", six, doing what Grant, Grant Hill does. And I ended up being short, but that's another story. Thanks, Mom. Six foot three, right? Yeah. How tall is your mom? Six three on a good day. It's more two and a half than three, to be honest. But well, and then when you grow your mohawk, you're like six five. When I grow my mohawk, I'm like six five. But actually, I have a long wingspan, so my standing reach is quite tall. So it doesn't really bother me that that I'm short. But no, I had a lot of. I would watch as much basketball as I could, like just trying to like pick things from different players and stuff like that. But definitely, I was like. It always amazed me how like, growing up in Europe, nobody wanted me and still now it's like a big, no, like people don't like when I take, I've had fights with coaches like shooting pull-ups, like shooting two pull-ups. And I don't understand because the two greatest scores to me, and even now with KD, the two greatest scores of all time had an unpickable mid-range game. It's like so hard to defend because the big can't get to you and like you can't get your shot off at any time. It's like you're not depending on just making threes or just going to the basket when you have somebody taller, especially in Europe when you don't have that three second rule or it's just somebody down there. If I create separation with my opponent, I can score every game on regular basis. If you put like a super tall big or somebody really strong or shot blocker, people that want to get to the rim every time and finish, like it becomes harder and harder. And as you grow older, you don't have the same physical tools. So like your game depreciates much quicker. And so I always been in love and love with the mid range. I just think it's a, it's a lost art. I think it's gonna come back though, because- Yeah, it is, everything, it is kind everything of- is, everything, everything is like a trend, but I don't believe that like people just like when LeBron came in the league and he was so dominant with Cleveland, everybody was just trying to get that one superstar and, you know, build the team around and give him the ball and have him like, control everything. But you only have one LeBron. And the thing that's happening right now in the NBA is that people basically went really small ball to play like Golden State in the fast pace and shoot a bunch of threes. But not every team have Steph Curry and... Clay Thompson on the team. And now you see last year, the Lakers, they actually went back to having a really big lineup, like having LeBron playing the three, having Dwight Howard as a five, Anthony Davis at the four. So I think like big men's are gonna come back and the mid range is gonna come back. It's just a matter of trend. Cause I don't believe that like, if you're not some of the best in the world, I don't believe that just shooting a bunch of threes is just gonna get you there. I don't. Did you see um, Curry's video the other day? Yeah. How, how many three-pointers he made in a row? And 
to me, it's not even like his. It's not even how many he make. It's like it's so effortless, so effortless. Like it looks sometimes like he just catch it, and he's not even trying to make it. He just like. I don't know, flip it up there. It's not even, he's not even really like focusing and shooting the ball and stuff like that. He's just catching and flipping up there and he's making a hundred in a row. A like hundred and five. Yeah. It's just pretty, nah, pretty that's impressive. Just, that's uh-huh. just something, that's just something you're born with. Like, I don't think you can, I mean, you can, you can, you can work on it, but you, There's his level. Lot. There's a lot of hard work behind that shot. No, absolutely. But like when you was a kid already like at six, seven years old and you were shooting with his dad, for example, like on videos and stuff like that, like he was already making like 12, 13 in a row. Like he has a natural ability to shoot the ball. And then of course, I mean, I don't think nobody who dominates in the NBA hasn't worked hard is literally impossible like every single guy that's ever been an all-star in the nba has at some point worked very hard to accomplish that because like the level of skills that's required now to be an all-star in the nba i mean it's just unreal speaking of the nba in 2010 i think you were going to you entered the draft and then maybe you took yourself out of it yeah I withdraw my name because, like, I didn't think I was going to get drafted in in the, in the first round. So I didn't want nobody to have my rights so I can participate in any summer leagues I want. Because, like, when you get drafted even in the second round and you want to play summer league, for example, a team was interested, which I played summer league with Boston, if, say, Charlotte is interested to, you know, have me come in the summer league, I have to have the okay from the team who drafted me to go. And I didn't want that. Cause I was like, okay, if I'm not going to get a guaranteed contract, like, and I can, you know, enter the NBA by like a smaller door, you know, I will, but I want to have all those opportunities open. But after, I don't know, I'd rather be an important player in, in Europe and enjoy my time playing. Cause I know it's not going to last forever then being the journeyman in the NBA, I respect the guys they do. And sometimes, yeah, fairy tale does happen. But like, I couldn't see myself just being like playing for how hard that I work. I want to be like, to me, it's like being a performer, being an artist, being whatever. I want to showcase my skills. Like I work every day. Like I want to be able to put out through the world, like what I'm doing. I want to be out there shooting 500 shots a day going to the gym, working out and doing all those things. And then I get five minutes of playing time, like for the rest of my, no, I want to enjoy playing the game. I don't see myself being on a bench for 10 years and, you know, watch more basketball than I play actually. Like, I don't want to spend more time on the bench than I do on the floor. Like, it's just so unattractive to me, no matter the paycheck, you know, like. All right, I was just wondering. Um, and now we're going to change course a little bit here. And I want to ask you, ever since I started following you on Instagram, I yes. have seen that you have a couple four-legged friends at home. And yes. I'm wondering, what are their names and um, what kind of dogs are they? 
I have an English bulldog in Pablo. Pablo, actually, the English bulldog. <laughs> that, that I actually got in Madrid. That's why his name is Pablo. Uh, I have Grace, who's a Labrador, who I brought back from China. That that was that was quite a trip. That's a long flight for a dog. That's a long flight, and I had to do so many, so many things to get that dog back. Like keep her in quarantine over there. Then I had to talk to a guy who transported her, and it took like another ninety days. Like I didn't see my dog for like four months before she can get to Europe. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she she's a survivor. <laughs> I'd say so. Pablo and Grace. Okay, and I do have to say that the videos that I've seen where you're speaking in French to Pablo, <laughs> yeah, they are so funny and. I'm watching the video and I'm like, oh my gosh, that dog knows French. But of course that dog knows French because any dog can learn any language as long as but they're actually I speak to I speak to him in English, but he's with my most of the time with my best friend right now because I couldn't keep them keep him there. They're more happy in Malaga. And he's actually speaking French to them. That's why he speaks French. But uh, when I talk to him in English, he understands too. Anything that's related to food anyway, when I put out food. He, he understands, he speaks that language. <laughs> well, I do have to say, I love watching you speak French to the animals because, because I'm not familiar with French. It just seems so like fairy tale-ish, like it's out of a movie um, and it's just hilarious to me. So I do appreciate that. Okay, and then, I'll, do, I'll do that more for the audience. <laughs> and then you told me a couple of weeks ago that you actually have more than just those two dogs. What other animals yeah. do you have in your environment, whether in Madrid or Malaga, wherever? What animals are we talking about? So here in, and I actually have a snake here in Madrid. He's like sleeping python? right now. No, it's a, it's a boa. A boa constrictor. So that's a big snake. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's small now, but it's going to get like, it's gonna get above. It's gonna be like almost ten feet. Wow! Um, but I have another one in Malaga. I have a parrot also. I have two cats. His okay, name is Shadow, on. Shadow and Lucifer. The cats are Shadow and Lucifer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and what's the name of the snake? The boa constrictor. Nagini, like the snake in Harry Potter. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Lucifer. And the other one, and the other one is a female down in Malaga, and her name is Madonna. Madonna. Okay. What color are they? Uh, so this is a, uh, the one I have here is a red tail boa constrictor. So it's like brownish, like, yeah, brownish, like dark brownish, and have a red, like the the tip of his tail is red, like this okay. part right here, like this but. And the other one, uh, I'm not supposed to say because I'm not supposed to have it, but ah, it's a, Okay, don't say it. It's a, I mean, it's not like anybody's gonna come to my house, but I have a albino, albino boa. Okay, and what's so wrong about that? It's illegal? Because it's, it's very rare and there's not a lot of them. So like sometimes they, I mean, I think in Spain I can have them, but in France I can madonna okay and will the two snakes ever be able to live in the same space or do they always have to be separate 
so in Malaga, I'm actually building like a, like I have like a little, I'm building like a jungle, like an outside jungle, you know, like a place where you just can be, oh you know, gosh. like it's like a big cage made out of, made, like a zoo, like a big cage made out of plastic. And I'm just going to put them, put them in there so they can thrive. They don't have to be in like, it will be a box, but it will be more like an environment where they can be, you know, happy. How many years can a boa constrictor live for? Like 40. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna have them for a while. Okay. And all re all reptiles live like very long. They like survivors. They basically like come from dinosaurs, so they live very long. Like some like that's why, for example, in Florida is such a problem with, with gators because they live so long, but they rope like they reproduce at a rate that's like so much faster than the rate which they die. And like they eat each other. So like a bigger one can eat a smaller one. So they're never out of food really. And they eat anything. So, you know, well, I'm fascinated I, with reptiles. I hope that your snakes never get loose because you wouldn't want to come home and see Pablo missing. Yeah, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, the problem is like, Pablo don't have that much time to live no more, poor thing. <laughs> He's old? It's like lifespan of bulldogs are like six to eight years, and I've been having him for like four and a half already. Okay. So. Well, the cats, so, cats usually live for a pretty long time. Yeah, I've been having one for like 13 years, and the other one for like seven, eight. Okay. But the so, other one is a main, you know what a main coon is? No. So like I, it's like a, the cousins of lynx. So like my cat, one of my cats is like thirty-eight pounds. Oh my gosh! What it's do your big, neighbors think about this? What? What do your neighbors think about this? Or they I actually had trouble. I actually had. I mean, they can't see inside my house first of all <laughs> but i hope not because that that would be the least of their problems you the animals. Are, you you are too funny where does this passion for animals come from i i don't know to be honest like when i was growing up i was was fascinated with like the discovery channel and even now like all i watch at home is like now on the disney app they have all the things from National Geographic and this like all I watch. I don't know. I'm fascinated by nature for some reason. And I don't know. I just love animals. And like, I feel like the relationship with animals is just pure. You know, I have, I don't really trust humans. You know, I like, <laughs> I, I like, I like animals better. They don't have no, they like you or they dislike you. You know, they don't have no, hidden agendas no, exactly never you know they're just like either they like you or either they don't yeah and if a cat doesn't like you you know it because i've had some bad experiences with cats so i don't think i would ever have a really? cat but i would have a pablo i could i could but do you, you know why because a cat most cat owners get a cat and they don't know they don't comprehend that is not a dog a cat is like a person. It will not love you unconditionally. And you can't, for example, if it's on the couch, you can't just like shove him out the way. It will hold a grudge. <laughs> it's not, they have a real personality. They're not like dogs. It's not because you feed them, they get, they're going to be loyal. If you don't give them no attention, if you don't 
it's plenty of things. Like you have to treat them like a person. And if you don't, then yeah, after they're wild, they don't like when you touch them. They don't, yeah. But they my, my cats don't do none of that. <laughs> never oh. scratch me ever, never bite me, nothing. Okay. And then you said you have parrots, one or two? I have one parrot. What's his name or her name? <laughs> Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. Okay. And does this parrot talk? Yeah, he's starting. So he can like but, repeat what you say? Yeah, you know, he can have a full on conversation. Like you can when they learn the vocabulary and know what it means. Like they super actually birds are super, super smart. And like he he can make he can talk on his own. Like he, you know, like when he's hungry, he says snacks, for example. <laughs> he knows what that means. Okay, and is Jack Sparrow flying around the house free or is he also in his own private jungle or what's going on? He is in the house and he can do whatever he wants. He's just <laughs> out there, just doing. Just living his best life. My house is something, yes, it's something different. The only problem is when he has to poop, sometimes he leaves like little, you know, that's yep. the only problem. But he knows where to do it, you know. But he follows, so they super loyal. So he basically follows me everywhere I go in the house. Like he's on my shoulder, he goes somewhere else, or he go, like he's always with me. But I don't film him so much because I don't know. <laughs> People, people's reaction to animals sometimes are weird. Like, you know, have a bunch of messages like, why is it, it should be outside. It should be, yeah, I mean. True, okay. yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. I can understand okay. that. Um, he doesn't seem he doesn't seem unhappy. I tell you that. Yeah. And and I let him free. And sometimes he's in the, he's in the garden, and he always come back. So hmm. if his life was so miserable, he he can decide to fly away if he wants to. But what's his relationship like with your cat? That's like half lynx. They so cats are super smart. If you introduce them, if they're in the house. Like it's like cats, that myth of cats and dogs is the same thing. If they grow up in the same household, then it's like, fine. They know it's not, you know, food. They understand that. They understand that you have an interaction with them. They understand like they part of the family. Like the cat never trying to eat the, the bird. And okay. he ate and he eats plenty of birds because, you know, like those cats, they bring you back gifts. So he comes <laughs> back in the house with like mouses and stuff like that and he puts them on the kitchen floor like what do you want me to do with this <laughs> and I'm you tell him in it, french man. so what do you what do you tell him in french when he brings back a mouse and he puts it on the floor like <laughs> and then, but he's so happy he's like purring and everything like for him it's like hey look what i bring you like let's share this meal together like <laughs> Let's break bread. No. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let's break bread. Exactly. Um, okay. One more, one more comment about your Instagram. I saw what? a, I think I saw a video the other day. You were drinking or you were making tomato juice and then you were putting Tabasco sauce in it. Absolutely. So <laughs> that is the truth. Okay. Do you do this because you actually enjoy the flavor or you do you do it because it's like a very healthy um, thing for your body and as an athlete you're trying to take care of yourself I put Tabasco in almost everything I eat okay 
when I go on the road, I actually have a bottle of Tabasco with me just in case you don't have it in the hotel. Okay. Like, I put Tabasco in everything I eat. Well, actually, in Spain, that's probably a good thing because if you do like spice, uh, Spanish food isn't necessarily spicy, so. Yeah, it is. Um, okay. Now for the rapid fire questions. Um, what jersey number do you wear and why? I, wear, I used to wear number 11. And when I went to Barcelona, I couldn't wear number 11 because Juan Carlos Navarro, who's a legend, had it. And that's just what it is. And after I just took a one out and... I don't know. I kept I kept the number, and it's the same one as Penny Hardaway, somebody I looked up to a lot. And I don't know. I like that number. I'm introduced when I play the game. I'm in, I'm the first one to be introduced. You know, it's you all know. about me, 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 baby. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like it. So, what is your go-to bread and butter favorite move? I'm assuming it's a pull-up jump shot, but is there anything special about it? No. How do, you, how do you get open initially? I, I can't tell you. People are going to watch the podcast and scout me. I can't tell <laughs> you what my favorite move is. Come on, let's be serious. <laughs> okay. I can't tell you, like, yes, this is what I – no, but for real, like, a hard jab to the right, like, just to get him, like, to react a little bit. And after one quick, one quick dribble with the left hand and pull up, like, kind of like Carmelo Anthony does. Like, I love that move. So are you going, you're jabbing right, but you're going left? I'm jabbing right, and he has to take a step back a little bit because he think I'm going. I take one, like one dribble to just put me in rhythm, like a left dribble to put me in rhythm and set my feet quick and let it fly. Ah, so you're not even really moving. I mean, you're not no. like gaining space it's or anything. It's like a bounce dribble, like, and if he recovers, I can like, you know, hesitate and go by him, but... Okay. It's like, boom, boom. It's in the same motion and just elevate right away. It's just, the dribble is really just to put you in rhythm more than anything. Like, to get, because when you jab and you just go up, sometimes, like, you are a little bit out of balance. Like, you still, but with the dribble, it makes you reset your feet. And I don't know, it's just like a better feel to it. Okay. Um, and it looks better on camera, to be honest. <laughs> it's all about looking good on camera. <laughs> Um, is there anything that you really miss from France when you're here in Spain? Like, is there any um, tradition, custom, something about their lifestyle that you wish you could bring to Spain? No? My dad. That's the only thing. Okay. So not like fondue or raclette or anything like that? But they have that here, you know? It's different. I get I, I get a bunch of things shipped, to be honest. Like, my dad sent me care package all the time, so maybe that's why I don't really like miss it like that you know but yeah in general I don't and why, I don't do you, why do you think you like Spain so much what is it about the Spanish culture that you you said before you feel like Europe is a helping hand but what exactly about Spain like it just fit my personality better like people here you know people love to have a good time they like I don't know it's more like people French. a little bit a little bit more humble, a little bit more, I don't know, down to earth. And, you know, French are, you know, the stereotypes are not always just stereotypes, you know, like they a little bougie, they're a little snob, <laughs> they're a little, you know, 
and it's like it's not my it's not my vibe so much. Okay. You know, a little stuck up. Like if I'm going out, I'm going out to dance. I'm going out to have a good time. I'm not going out to just like look at each other people, like look at e each other and like just standing there. So it's just like I don't know. It's it's just Spain is just like more my vibe. It's more sunshine, which I love. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's just just fit my personality better. Okay. And if you were not a professional basketball player, what do you think you would be? A zookeeper? No, nah, I'll be an actor for sure. An actor? That's actually what I'm going to do after after my career as a basketball player. Really? Yeah, I already thought I already started uh, taking acting classes and everything. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And would you be acting in English or in French or in Spanish? Or maybe all 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 the above. <laughs> hey, you gotta be versatile. You put down the resume. Hey, in what language can you speak? You know, like boom, boom, boom. This, this, this. Hey, that 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 looks pretty good. <laughs> okay. Are there any other languages that you can speak, or is it just those? Well, just those three. I actually took German in school. Okay. So ich spreche ich Deutsch, nicht sehr gut. Uh, uh, Deutsch, but like I can understand the conversation in German and I can speak it a little bit. Like if I go over there, it takes me like a few days, but then I can have like basic conversation. Uh, understand now Serbian, but don't tell Alexa and Sasha sometimes. <laughs> because I was in Montenegro. No, I pick up language quite easy. The only thing I didn't even try it was Chinese it was just like yeah it was just too hard so if you become an actor what style of movie do you no 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 when not if when when will I see you in like a comedy in a romantic comedy in a thriller in a murder mystery I don't know you want to do everything you probably want to just show the world all your different talents Absolutely. What? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you just get me. You just get me. I promise okay. you just get me. I'll be looking forward to it. Um, and this year, today's the 31st. Are you going to eat the 12 grapes tonight for, uh, no, you don't, I don't do believe, that? I don't believe in tradition and all this. Like I'm superstition. You don't believe in like the good luck if you eat all 12 grapes. No. Okay. How many people? How many people ate 12 grapes last year and see where it got us? How many people did that shit last year and eat the 12 grapes? And look at what 2020 looked like. This is true. This is true. Maybe so we stop. It does not work. I, I can tell you, I doubt that it works because I don't think nobody was wishing like, mm, if we could have had a global pandemic this year, would be nice. No, I don't think so. So I'll pass on the grapes. Okay. Um, well, it is the holiday season. Do you have any specific holiday during the year that you enjoy celebrating? Halloween, Carnival, Valentine's it's Day? Just like, like when I started playing basketball and like I hide it, it's like I could never pick like which day it was. We were traveling. We was, so like it's just like go. Like, you never get a chance to like sometimes you do it, sometimes you don't. So it's just like kind of fades away. Like it's just like you know, like, I don't have my family there. Like, it's not like, 
I don't know. It's just like, it's not, I don't celebrate really holidays like that. I don't even really celebrate my birthday, to be honest. So it's just like, it's always in preseason. We have two a day. It's just like, you know, what's the point? September 18th? Yeah, September 18th. Any advice that you would give to younger generations that want to follow in your footsteps? You've had a, a very long career. I mean, you're 31 right now. Yeah, I'm gonna play for next ten. I'm gonna play for ten more years. Ten more years. Okay. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going to 40 at least. <laughs> All right. So, what would you say is your is your advice, or what's the key to your success to be able to get to your level and then be able to ma- maintain it? Because that's mm-hmm. it's not easy. First of all, don't don't have fears in a way like, you know, people always say like, so many people say, oh, it's so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard. So actually when you start, you realize that it's not that hard because all the people that believe that, they didn't try. So it's not that many people that try. So once you do, you ended up, it's not that many people willing to work that hard to make it. It's really more about yourself than other people. And if you put the time in, the time in and work, it's like everything else. Like I, I, I always saw like basketball exactly the same. It's, it's, not, it's not harder than being a doctor or pursuing any other career where you have to study for six, seven, eight years and have finals and have all this. It's not harder. It's just the time that you're going to put in. And if you do, you you probably gonna be successful honestly i've rarely except injuries i've rarely seen people that actually work really hard at becoming basketball players or something like this from a young age and like were consistent with the work they was playing in they didn't succeed like not many or you know injuries happen that's true or you know life just you know sometimes takes you in a different path but uh, but in general, not only in basketball, just like, I don't know, follow what you want to do. You know, life is short and it always seems crazy before you do it. You know, for example, when I say I want to be an actor, you know, people's reaction is always like, you know, it's funny and stuff like that. When I'm dead ass serious, if people think it like, man, you're not going to be, you know, like, a, you know, actor when you retire, it seems a little crazy and stuff like that. But I know I am. You know, it's just like when you believe something, it's, it's going to happen. Speak it to existence, you know, so. Hard work, just, confidence. Just hard work, confidence, and and enjoy. Enjoy, embrace anything. Even when you, you know, struggle, struggling, even when times are tougher or anything, like, you know, embrace that. Embrace, you know, if you you're struggling, don't. Don't lie to yourself and saying, oh, I'm not struggling and stuff like that. Accept that you're struggling and find, find, you know, ways to get out of that struggle. And this is how you, I think you get better. So that will be my few advice. Bravo. I like it. Well, Edwin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. If there's anything else you want to add. Thank you. It was, time, it was fun. We should, we should do that more often. <laughs> Uh, you okay. would be the, the first person I would double the, uh, I've never interviewed someone twice. So maybe, maybe we'll have to check back in. Who knows? Okay. You'll have to tell me when, uh, what's his name gets to be 10 feet long. Oh yeah. And like 
<laughs> that's going to be in like 15 years. So I'll, I'll let you know. All right. Well, you have a good afternoon. Happy New Year. And I'll see you in 2021. And there you have it. A quick recap on the life of a professional basketball player who wishes he would have been eight inches taller. But I'd say things turned out pretty well for Edwin Jackson. In big part, thanks to a great work ethic, his attention to detail, and a disciplined mind. Furthermore, he eats well, he takes care of his body, and he's a student of the game. He said he wants to play for another 10 years. And you know what? I wouldn't put it past him. If you enjoyed what you heard this week, and you're still in the holiday spirit of giving, do me a favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and feel free to leave a comment, provide a suggestion, or whatever you feel is necessary. Your support helps get the word out to future listeners. Thank you for being with us this week. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, wishing you a safe and healthy semana. Hasta luego!